Good morning. Man, it is so good to be here. And uh, I'm excited to be with the Clark County Mill Plain Campus good-looking people. Come on. It's great to be here. Come on. Can you believe it's already almost Thanksgiving? That's crazy. Um, I've been actually fasting all week, you could probably tell, and drinking smoothies because I'm about ready to eat about 400,000 calories on Thursday. <laughs> really looking forward to it. And um, Wow, what a, what a special day, what a, a special moment to be together as a church family. I, I do want to just say this, uh, just so everybody can hear this. I think it's one of the greatest honors and privilege to have Andrew and Taviana back home with us. They actually attended this campus for a time before they were sent out uh, up into the Washington area to be lead pastors of a church, feel called to come back. And I think that they're some of the greatest pastors and leaders on planet Earth. The bummer for every other campus uh, that's part of City Bible Church, they don't get them. You guys get them. And you're going to find today and you're going to find ongoing that they're some of the most special, beautiful, caring, loving people that you'll ever meet. Put your hands together one more time. So glad that you guys are here. Welcome home. Welcome home. Listen, we're in the third week of a very special series that we're calling Greater Things. And it's in a, a special season for us that we call Season of Generosity. And over the last 20 years, we have celebrated this particular season in the month of November. And it's really a time where we just stop. And we pause and we challenge ourselves regarding the area of generosity. I understand for everybody, including myself, that this is a challenge. The world in which we live, when it comes to this area of finance or money, and what it means to us, and what it means to God can be a challenging subject. But I'm confident as I look at the Word of God and I find that 2,350 plus times God chose to talk about money. Why? Because it was a big deal to Him. And the reason it was a big deal to Him is because it really revealed truly what was in your heart. What you do with what's in your hand clearly reveals to God and to others what's really going on in your heart. Where your treasure is, the Bible says, your heart will be there also. And so as we stop and we think about this idea of generosity, and we, we think about what it represents, for 20 years we've celebrated touching the lives of thousands, if not even millions of people all over the world. That this church here, City Bible Church, has been responsible for touching cities and nations and the world. Together as a church family, we've touched thousands of people. And I'm thankful for what God has done. He's done great things, but I believe he wants to do greater things. I believe that we're living in a time and a season that God has established and set us up to do greater things. Why? It's because the world has tried every other single thing. Nothing has worked, but Jesus will work. And so we want to be there as a church family to be able to say to the world, listen, when they reach out and they ask for help or they look for answers and hope and peace and joy, that we would truly be the people that God desires us to be and to be Jesus to them. And that's what this season's all about. If we just stop and we think about just real time, some of the great things that God has done, just look at this building. 
If you go back 20 years, this building didn't exist. We didn't have a campus here. But through God's leading, we have this burden and this heart to say, we believe that there's thousands of people in Clark County that desire to have a church like this. And so we sacrificed and we prayed and we believed and we gave. Why? So that you could enjoy the presence of God like you do here today. How many are excited that someone went before you and did that? Come on. You know, you should probably clap a little bit louder because they may be watching online. Come on. Someone gave generously because they had you in mind. I think about our missionaries that are in one of the most difficult, hardest, darkest places on planet Earth, reaching and touching people that you and I could never touch but they're willingly sacrificing their life and putting it in jeopardy daily. Because why? It's because God's asked them to go there as an extension of us. Your generosity helps reach people, Muslim people and people in refugee camps and difficult areas. Why? It's because we have a heart for people. And I want you to get this. And again, just heart to heart, friend to friend, family talk here. You know what this series really is about? It's about people. It's not about money. Money is the means. People is the end. This this is really about people. For us to recognize that God has greatly blessed us so that we could be a blessing. And to remove all of the The covetousness and materialism and greed and selfishness that this society wants to put on us. To actually recognize why we are so blessed and why God has allowed us the privilege to come together as a family for a time such as this to do greater things. And so we've chosen to take a look at four different stories told by Jesus Jesus talked about money a lot. In fact, Jesus talked about money more than heaven and hell combined. He talked more about money than prayer. Why? Because he knew it had to do with our hearts. And so we've chosen to take a look at these four stories. They're simple, they're riveting, challenging stories to just allow Jesus to talk to us through his word so that we might really understand what's on his heart regarding you and me. And so this morning, if you, if you do have your Bibles, we're, we're going to be talking about this idea of opportunity. And I want to remove from this thought about greater, oper, a greater challenge. I want to talk about greater opportunity because I want to present to you today a, an opportunity to be able to be used greatly by God. And that word opportunity, it simply means this. It just means being presented with a favorable situation that brings advancement and success. How how many love a wonderful opportunity, great opportunity? All of us love that opportunity. We love the idea of opportunity. We love, I remember as a kid being given the opportunity to be in one of the plays. Or I remember in high school being given the opportunity to play varsity baseball as a freshman. I remember being given the opportunity to be on a student council team. And it was something that stretched me. It was something that grew me. But I really, really loved those opportunities. It's the same way with our career. How many love an opportunity in your career? 
Okay, let me ask you a different way. How many want a pay raise today? Come on. There we go. I got some hands right there. Okay, come on. We, we, we love promotion or the opportunity because there's something intrinsic to our nature that desires us to do something above and beyond what we're already doing. None of us like the average. We want to do something greater. We want to make our life to count. It happens that way with relationships. It happens that way with ministry. And it even happens that way with our finances. When it comes to a business deal or an investment or your retirement, I mean, you're wanting, you look at an opportunity and you want to put something in hoping that you'll have a greater return so you take the risk because you see an opportunity in front of you. So it is with the kingdom of God. In fact, everything that you have, you never really give to God. You invest into his kingdom. You never really let go of something. He just simply stores it up for one of the most incredible iras in history. That when you get to heaven, you're going to find great rewards. We don't give up anything. We gain everything. And so we're going to look at a story. And it's a story about the parable of the talents. We find it in Matthew chapter 25. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Verses 14 through 30. And Jesus tells us a story in the midst of a trilogy of stories. He tells these three particular stories that all come down to this one big thought or this one big idea is that a God opportunity embraced is a God blessing received. And he shows us the flip side in all three of these stories, that a God opportunity missed is a God blessing lost. And he really presents to us an opportunity. We could call it a command or a principle or a truth, but you and I, we've been given free will. Every single one of us have the choice to either respond or reject what God says to us. Salvation's that way. Every other principle and truth is that way in Scripture. We're not given a command necessarily, but we're given an opportunity. And Jesus wants to make it clear that when you receive his opportunities and you embrace them, that there's great favor and blessing that follows your obedience. It's in every aspect of our life. And so let's go ahead and just jump into the Word today. Matthew 25, verses 14 through 18. And I want to just read to you the first five verses of the story. We'll unpack the rest of it as we go. It says, again, it will be like a man going on a journey. Now, apply this to your life. Jesus is telling a parable or a story that should apply to you. Every one of us are in this story. So he says, the story is like you and me that are on this thing called the journey of life. And that we've been given something, and you'll see that Jesus really cares with what you do with what you've been given. So this story applies to every one of us. Personalize it as I read it. Again, it will be like a man, Jesus, who's going on a journey, who calls his servants and entrusts his property to them. To one he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, to another one talent, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. 
The man who had received the five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with two talents gave two more. But the one man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole, put it in the ground, and hid his master's money. We find here that every single one of these people were given the same opportunity to do something with what they've been given. And when I look at this story, I really kind of find four big truths here, and I hope I can get to all of them this service. But I think every single one of these particular truths, they apply to you and to me today. The first one is this, is is the greater opportunity. When you look at this story as it unfolds, it says, to one he gave five and then two and then one. So we, we see at the very beginning, if you, if you love to underline or circle words, underline this little phrase, he gave. This story starts out to try to point out to you and me that everyone has received something. We all have been blessed with something. I'm thankful even when you look at like John 3, 16, it says that he gave his only begotten son. What? So that we could have eternal life. He gave something incredible and we received this thing called eternal life. And so everything that we have, it's more than him just giving something. Let's look at it a different way. Everything that you have, he gave to you. Everything that you have came from him. Your life, your breath, your continued heartbeat, your family that you were born into, the family that you now have, the spouse that you have, the children that you have, the job that you have, the resources that you have, the smarts that you have, the hands in order to work, everything that you have, including all of your resources and all of your money, have been given to you by him. And when we look at that, we also have to recognize this one thought. Not only did he give us everything that we have, but we didn't deserve any of it. The reason why we have a hang-up here is because we think it's ours. And once we begin to think of what we have as ours, we lose this thing called gratefulness. And you can determine how you interpret what you have and how appreciative you are for what you have by how grateful you are in your heart. And if we begin to think for one reason that what we have is our own, we start to have this sense of entitlement. And it's all of a sudden we begin to think this idea like, this is mine. This is my house. This is my car. This is my money. This is my retirement. This is my boat. This is my truck. This, these, all of these things. Now, again, I'm not having a problem with people having things as long as things don't have them. Are we grateful for what we have? Do we recognize that what we have came from him? So we have to start with this first thought of just going, listen, we've all been blessed with something. 
And it's really more than we deserve. I mean, I mean, you just stop and you think about the world around us. I mean, we are such a blessed people. And what happens is we begin to compare ourselves, and this is the problem with the American culture in which we live. We all just want bigger things. I mean, after all, I've just used my phone for over four weeks. Is there a new one coming out? And I need, you know, the bigger car and the bigger house and the the new shirt. And again, it's okay to have those things. But what happens is we forget to realize what he gave us was for a reason. I mean, mean, just stop and think about this. I, I, I looked up some of these statistics. They're actually startling. One billion people today have no improved water source. They won't have clean water today. One billion people. 2.5 billion people will not have a toilet or sanitation today. 2.5 billion. 800 million will not have a meal today. They won't even have a piece of food today. There's no food within their, their region to eat. 100 million are homeless today. No home. 3.4 billion have inferior housing. They may have a roof over their head, but it's made of cardboard or tin. 1.2 billion don't have any electricity. And here's probably the the, the scariest one of all. 4.4 billion people today don't have internet. (laughs) I mean, think about that. I I mean, it's just like, man, you can take my food, my house, Man, you can, man, I don't need a toilet. Just don't take my cell phone. <laughs> but you just stop and you think about that for a second. And you realize how much compared to the majority of the world, what we've been given. And we have to honestly ask ourselves before God, there's any God consciousness in us. God, why have you blessed me such a great way. should ask ourselves the question. And when you look at this word gave, he gave. It's a Greek word, and the Greek word is didomi. And it actually means this, that you've been given something for an intended purpose, not for personal consumption. So Jesus is showing us in this scripture that the resources that you have been given have been given to you not for your own pleasure, but for his purposes. Now, part of his purposes are taking care of our needs, making sure we have a roof over our head, making sure our kids are taken care of and that there's clothes and there's food. We live a... a, a relatively blessed life. God wants us to be blessed. But there's a portion of what God gives us that's very clear, that's intended for his purposes. And obviously this doesn't apply to anybody in this room or City Bible Church. But national statistics show us that the majority of people today that call Jesus their Lord give nothing. They have separated their hand from their heart. And this isn't meant to be a condemning thought. This is meant to be a discipling, pastoring, encouraging thought. And it's why Jesus says this. 
is because he says, I don't want you to live a life that ends up at the end of the day where I look and say, wicked and slothful servant. I want you to live a life and recognize that what I have given you and the reason I've blessed you is so that you will be a blessing, that you'll have understand that there's a purpose. And the more that you can just trust me with this, the more that I can do great things in your life. And so he uses, again, he chooses to use a word that's very unique, and it's this didomi word. He says, I'm giving you something, but don't think it's for your own good. Let me, let me just give you an analogy of how this kind of works. In a couple days, we're going to celebrate this wonderful thing called Thanksgiving. Now, imagine you've had a busy life. You've got to get some um, extra stuff at the store, so you, you call your teenage son to come and help you to go get some stuff. How many have teenagers? Come on, wave at me. How many used to have teenagers? Glad they grew up and moved. Okay. How many don't want teenagers? How many are a teenager? How many can spell teenager? I mean, just okay. And so let's say that your teenager comes into the room and you say, listen, I, I need a bunch of stuff. And so would you do me a favor? Would you, would you go to the store and buy all these things? So you give them a $100 bill and you send them to the store in the car to go buy a bunch of stuff for the meal. Sounds like a bad, bad mistake already. Right? And so four hours later, you're sitting there wondering where they're at. They walk back into the room. They're all happy. And you go, where have you been? They said, well, I, I called some friends. We went out to Burger King and went to a movie. Well, where's the groceries? They said, how do you expected me to go to Burger King and go to the movie? That's where the hundred bucks went. I mean, you just want that five-fold ministry. I mean, you just want to just kind of go, what are you thinking? What are you just going to get out of Right? I gave you this resource for an intended purpose. And I just wonder what's going to happen. And again, this is actually Scripture. We're going to actually be held accountable like our teenage kids. There's going to come a day of reckoning, which we'll talk about, where he's going to ask you, what you did with your resources. He's going to say, listen, I gave you 50 grand a year for 50 years, 100 grand, a million, whatever it might be. He's going to simply just ask the question. Didomi, I, I gave you this for a purpose. What did you do with what I gave you? That's what this whole word is trying to imply. And when I think about it, you know, your understanding of what you've been given will determine how you choose to use it. And so we come across this cute little Jesus story with his hair blowing in the wind, and he's trying to just help us to not make a colossal mistake. The second thing that Jesus brings up in this particular story is not only just a greater opportunity he gave to us, but second, he, there was a greater trust that was given to us. Verse 14, it says, he called his servants and he 
entrusted his property to them. Listen to the words here, and you got to catch this. He, meaning God, entrusted you with his resources. What a novel thought. I mean, what an intriguing thought. Listen, that God has actually said, I trust you and love you enough. Here you go. And we look at what we have in front of us. It's like, it's not ours. It's like this is precious, priceless resource. And we're going, wow, I want to be so careful to steward what God has put in my hands and how far we have come to actually look at the stuff precious in our hand, almost in a form of idolatry to say, can I trust God with my resources? I mean, this is what the American culture is trying to get us to buy into, that what we have is ours. And it's like, it's like this, we've got to turn it around. It's not like, can I trust God with these resources? He's actually asking himself, can I trust them with what I have given them? That, that's what this word, when you look at entrusted, he's, he's entrusting his property into our hands. That, listen, guys, I'm speaking to myself today, too. It is so hard in the culture in which we're immersed to even hear this, receive it, and embrace it. And the fact that we struggle with it should allow us to recognize the fact that it is an idol in our life more than we realize. Because if we're struggling today to even embrace what Jesus says, well, I don't know, here we go again. Bald-headed guy's at it again. Can we just recognize this is what Jesus is trying to help us so that we don't live this way? So he says, I'm going to trust you with something. And here at City Bible Church, when I think about this, and if you knew anything about us, if you wanted to look at our books, if you wanted to see what we do, listen, everything that we do is about people. This isn't an us for no more community church atmosphere. We love to live life inside out. We want to be known as a people that live life beyond ourselves. Why? Because there is a world that's in desperate need of God. I look at the problems and the challenges and the hopelessness and the depression and the suicide and the racial injustice and the hatred and the homelessness and the sickness and the poverty and the political crap that's going on. I didn't say that. Please take that out. I just, I look at all that stuff. And I say, Jesus put us here for a time such as this. And on my dime, my watch, as I try to help lead us, let us be known as a people that care about what's going on in this world and together make a difference. And so he's placed you and he's placed me together in this family called City Bible Church and he's entrusted us to reach our relatives, our neighbors, our coworkers, our acquaintances for Jesus. 
You didn't pick your neighborhood. You didn't pick your job. You didn't pick your church. Jesus directed your steps. And he's placed you here and he's given you gifts and talents and abilities and resources that together we could discern what's going on in our city. And we could see what's going on in our world. And together we're going to say, we're going to go ahead and go without one less, we're going to go with one less Christmas present, one less little movie, maybe three less Starbucks or all Starbucks. But we're, we're going to do something to make a difference in people's life. This isn't you or me giving something to this thing called church. This is a time where we recognize that God has entrusted us together, not only with our personal resources, but in addition with a vision to touch our city like never before. And so when you, when you look at this whole idea of greater things, Vision Sunday, you look at the brochure that's in front of you, we listed six things that we believe are directly from the heart of God to us, what he is speaking to you and me together as a family of what we should be doing with our time, our talents, and our treasures in the coming days. The first thing is this, is that he's given us and he's entrusted us with a vision for reaching more people. How many think that more people need to hear about Jesus? I'll wait till all the hands go up. Come on. We all believe that more people need to hear about Jesus. I mean, one of the things that we're doing in 2018 is we're putting together a Live Love Center. We're putting staff. We're putting finances. We want to put together a team that focuses on every campus to help start more reach groups, to reach more kinds of people. We want thousands of backpacks for underprivileged kids. We want to do everything that we can do to help foster children. I mean, currently we gave out 800 welcome boxes to foster kids that were taken from their parents and put into a home, and we wanted to make sure when they got there that they had something in their hand that said, there's some people there that love you and care for you. We want to do that by the thousands. There's 13,000 foster kids in the state of Oregon, another 15,000 in the state of Washington. What would it look like if we actually reached out to these desperate kids a little bit more? With our foster parent night out and foster fun night here, we've helped over 200 kids monthly. These foster kids that are just, you just get around that this one kid, Tyrone, I just, I cry every time I think about this kid. That comes in that's so jacked up that had been molested and abused. I'm changing his name so you don't know his real name. But here's some little seven-year-old kid that's been molested and abused since he was one years old. I just think of my life and I go, someone's got to care for this kid and love him. Why not us? Why not love him and let him know there's a God that loves him? Someone that could care for him. I think of the homeless people, 4,176 people living on the streets downtown in Portland today that are homeless, that don't have a meal. We give 10 tons of food a month so that they know that there's a family called City Bible Church that wants to make sure they have a meal. That's Jesus. That's what church is all about. I think of the sex trafficking victims. 
Just in the last few years on the streets, and again, I'm giving you Portland statistics, they polled almost 500 girls between the age of 11 and 16 out of sex trafficking off the streets in Portland. We're not talking about Thailand. We're talking about Portland, Vancouver metro area. 11 to 16-year-olds that are being trafficked. And I think about those girls, and I go, who cares about them? Who's going to love them? saying, God, help us. Come on, guys. As a church family, let us do our part. We have a fund we give money to to make sure they can get on buses and planes to get away from their families, from their their pimps to get to their families. And we have a training we're going to do called Mending the Soul. It's going to take place on January 16th. We train seven ladies that are working in intervention and crisis care and restoration. You go to our Rocky Butte campus right now, and there's a row of, of beautiful, wonderful ladies that have been rescued, and now they're saved, and they're baptized. And I look at their face, and I just, I'm so overwhelmed with joy that we actually got out of our comfort zone. Our westernized Christianity mindset said, you know what? We're willing to sacrifice our time and our talent and our treasure because she matters to God. That's what we're about as a church family. We have a vision to reach more people. It can't happen without resource. It just can't. And when we talk about these kinds of seasons, listen, every, we're, we're just simply a conduit that's helping to take that dollar that you give to attach it to that soul. We're just simply a conduit. We're a broker. It doesn't come to me. I don't benefit from it. No one benefits. Everything that we do goes to people. You may never be able to touch that trafficking victim or that missionary in a dark country, but together we can by what we do. We have a vision to make more disciples. We believe that people need to know Jesus more. Everything that we're doing in regards to discipleship and Man, we work real hard at it. The groups that we want to start next year, the the pastoral care initiative that we're putting together with Mark Daniels, who I believe is one of the greatest pastors on planet Earth. We're putting together all of these things to make sure that people get attention and care and Bible and what we're doing with Portland Bible College. Listen, we're working real hard to make sure that people don't live their life without knowing God and growing in God. We we believe this. We believe that he's entrusted us with a vision for new horizons. We're we're, we're asking God to help us. Again, this is an opportunity. We need a bigger building for 217. They're busting at the seams, and there's thousands of people all around there that need a home just like this. And again, I think about going back 2007, 2008. I remember the prayer meetings. I remember sitting down with Jack Lohman and with Pastor Frank, saying, what would it look like if we were crazy enough to believe that God would give us millions to build something in Vancouver, Washington? And see, we're, we're experiencing the generosity of someone else. I'm grateful that it's here. But see, those 217 people, they gave so you could have a home. And we're just believing at this time. We're saying, God, 
We just, we need that building. We're talking about dorms for the college. Right next door right here, this ice skating rink, we're putting together plans because we want to turn that, instead of ice, we want to turn it into a community center and do a school that can train our kids and that we can get more people in, that we can put a Live Love Center there, that we can put help there, that we can help foster kids there in Clark County as much as we're doing it across the river. But it only happens if we feel together as a family that it's important enough for us to partner together to make a difference. That's two and a half million dollars next door. And I just say, listen, if God doesn't show up, we're gonna go have a salad. Hope he does. Because I wanna make sure people all over Clark County, Vancouver, know that this house has a place for them, for their kids, for their needs. What would that look like? Double the size. Wow, wow, right? Wow. You guys hear my heart. I mean, it's just, it's about people, new horizons, disciples. It's about strengthening our families. You know, you just think about the practical things that we do. We don't get to celebrate too often. I think about, I think about the, the families on Thanksgiving. Most of us are going to have a beautiful Thanksgiving. We identified 160 families in our church that wouldn't have Thanksgiving unless we stood up to the plate and bought them Thanksgiving dinners and meals. So we decided that's what we're going to strengthen the family in that way. We're just about ready to have our single parents Christmas extravaganza. About 160 to 170 single parents. We give out money. We give out gifts. We throw a party for their kids. We know that it's a dogfight for every one of them, every single. We want to let them know, listen, you matter to us. And in this season, we want to bless you. We want to make sure that as a family, we're not off doing our own thing. Just being all excited and happy about everything that we have, knowing that someone's struggling over here. It just doesn't seem right. I think about our, our, our Live Love Christmas. We saw in the slide it says that we're going to attempt to help 5,000 kids. That's, that's here. All the campuses combined last year, we helped over 10,000 children in the metro area that touch people like Andrew Orlando. 10 thousand and it's something as simple as when you get up to walk out and grab something off that blessing tree or say yeah I think I can give up 25 bucks to make sure that kid when they see that that they know someone matters it's about people it's about heart our generosity money last year we put together a fund of a hundred thousand dollars that every time there was a crisis, we could say, City Bible Church will be known as a church around the world that when a crisis happens, we'll be there. Houston, Texas, we gave $20,000 to Houston, Texas. I just saw some pictures of some elderly ladies getting sheetrock in their house as a result of some money. Life goes on for us. Wow, isn't that a bummer? They're flooded. For them, they're still dealing with no sheetrock. Their houses are destroyed. We just go, no, we're, we're going to be a people. We're going to be a people that are going to seize a greater opportunity. Mexico, seeing what's happening in Mexico, Puerto Rico, Brisbane, the Eagle Creek Fire, every single one of those 
we stepped up to the plate says, we're gonna buy some shelters for Mexico. We're gonna help people in Puerto Rico. Why? Is because we want them to know that there's a people in the Northwest that love people, that care for people, that wanna make a difference in the lives of people. And so Jesus is telling this story, and I'm almost done here. He says, listen, you have an opportunity. And I've entrusted to you these resources. And he says this, there's a greater promise, and that's that he's coming back. <laughs> and he's, he's going to settle accounts with them. That this, is, this isn't like fairy tale. Jesus is going to actually, we get the wonderful privilege to stand before him someday. And we see in the story, some say, well done. And others, he says, ain't good. Just ain't good. And let's don't mistake that there's two judgments. There's the great white throne. There's the great, I mean, you read about the book of life. We'll all be there. How many are glad for eternal life? Come on. So, so listen, salvation's free. But there's the judgment seat of Christ where we'll actually be held accountable. Listen to what it says here. It's so important you hear this, 2 Corinthians 5.10. It says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. This is believers now. So that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. And that's when it says settled. It's a Greek word that simply means he's settling the score for what we've done with what we've been given. This is the story. And it ends with this whole thing, and I'm done. A greater reward. To the two, he says, well done. There's there's no greater words that you and I could ever experience than the words from your father that looks at your life and says, well done. My dad, who just went to heaven, got saved 12 hours before he died for 20 years. Monday morning, 8 o'clock, I miss it every Monday morning. He'd call me. He'd say, son, I'm so proud of you. I'm so glad what you're doing. Well done, son. Well done. How much more to hear from our Heavenly Father? It's what we, we, we want to hear. It, it, it's intrinsic to, to our nature. I mean, we all want to hear that from our dad. Live in a world filled with father wounds because we're just longing for this affirmation from our dad that he'd just say, I love you, I affirm you. And Jesus is saying, this is the reward that Father God himself, that this is what he's proposing to you. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. And he talks about come and share in the master's happiness. It's this, it's this this Greek word that talks about a festival, a banquet, a party. It's like, man, we're throwing a party to let the world, to let all of eternity know all the great things that you've done. I want to tell, I want to tell humanity your story. And the bottom line is this finishes. It says, and he who's been given more He'll have an abundance for for the person that uses it in the way. This is the kicker of all. He'll just give you more. You're not losing anything. You're actually getting this side of heaven, the other side of heaven. 
you just get more, more blessing, more abundance, more favor. I know this is a challenging message for all of us. But guys, can we just stop as a family, push aside the white noise of society, and just simply say, Jesus, I'm going to take you up on your opportunity today. Maybe it just means one less present for the kids. Maybe they don't have 60, they just get 59. Maybe it's just like one less movie during the holidays. But here, here's my heart, my prayer, because this is so important to God. What does it look like if we all, if we all chose? See, I'm going to put my heart into this house. And I mean this with all of my heart. Even if it's a penny. Show God and show yourself that you're part of this house. Whether you're a teenager, even you're a kid. I, one little kid just giving a little offer. I mean, let, let's do something that just says this. We actually believe that this word is true. And together, we're going to do greater things because he's entrusted us with such great blessings.